Hey folks, if you've seen any of the great merch we have lately, we've got Witch Police shirts, we've got bags, we've got more gear on the way. That's all made by our friends at Divine Shirt Company. Whether it's screen printing or embroidery, heat press vinyl or graphic design, Divine Shirts is the place to go for your band merch. They've been doing some of the best stuff from the best bands in Winnipeg and beyond. And if you're looking to get some merch made, head over to divineshirtcompany.ca or follow them on Instagram and tell them which Police Radio sent you. One of our colleagues, Sam Thompson, who, um, if you saw him, you'd sort of right away assume he was a hippie. Get up off your ass and get up on the podcast! All right, welcome to Witch Police Radio. As all of you know who are listening to the show, who've heard the show before, uh, Witch Police Radio focuses on primarily Winnipeg and Manitoba artists. And every once in a while, I make an exception and have someone on the show who I like to call Manitoba adjacent. And I think that the guest (laughs) on this episode is someone who is very Manitoba adjacent, despite not really having spent any time here. Um, But you you have a connection. You have a very unusual connection, I think. to this province and to this city. So I think that the best way to start this off is if you want to just give a brief introduction about who you are and, and what you do, because uh, you're a different kind of guest that I've had on the show um, regularly. Sure. Well, hi, Sam. It's great to be with you tonight. Uh, my name is Greg, and I am one half of the absolutely insane podcast, Unscripted Moments, a podcast about propaganda, and which I co-host with one of my bestest buddies, Keith, and on that show we talk about every single propaganda song uh we're going through the entire discography and we're almost at episode 60 so we're over halfway done nice and it it feels awesome it's been like one of the best things i've ever been able to do creatively in my entire life uh it's been challenging and rewarding in countless ways um, I've become friends with you, which yeah. is a fabulous benefit of the show, and you've been extremely helpful. Uh, I also host another podcast called The Classical Ideas Podcast, which is an academic show where I interview professors and journalists and lawyers and teachers about their work when it comes to the field of religious studies, uh, so the academic study of religion. I'm also a high school teacher. And I've taught in Missouri, New York, Mexico, the UK, and I did my master's degree at the University of Saskatchewan in Saskatoon. So I have a little bit of Canadian um, living experience, but uh, none really in Winnipeg. But the fact that I'm so obsessed with propaganda is, uh, you know, I- I've been very, very pleased with uh, some of the friendships that I've built in uh, the wonderful city of Winnipeg, which I in theory could potentially possibly maybe visit in October, but uh, that's a real big if right now. Yeah. But in theory, I would see propaganda in October at the park theater if all went according to plan. But uh, we know how the world is thinking about human beings and their plans at the moment. So sure. we'll see how it goes. You so know, I may meet you in person at that show. If, if the world goes according to plan. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And if I was going to come all the way up there, I would definitely meet you before the show and we could do fun hangout things and go all over the place. So you never know. We'll see what happens. I'm waiting another, I'm waiting another, at least another month before I make any firm financial investments. Of course. So before I I have a lot of questions for you about the show and about kind of where it's taken you and everything, but first of all, after doing this much work, because these are, these are long episodes. I mean, my show is maybe 45 to an hour. Yours is often at least an hour more than that. Sometimes two hours more than that. And, yeah. and so like at this point, is any part of you sick of propaganda? I mean, no. Is it the opposite? Are you just like so much more invested in, in their songs and in their music than you would have been before? It, it's, so, Sam, it's really surreal. Uh, people ask me all the time, what band are you going to do next? And I think I was chatting with Dwayne Larson, the photographer in Winnipeg, yep. just a little while ago. And he's like, what band are you going to do next? Bad Religion? And I was like, no, there's no way that, and like, no other band does this for me. You know what I mean? Like, I, I cannot see myself doing this amount of, uh, of effort for any other band on the entire planet. Yeah. Because propaganda like cuts me in a certain way that no other band does. And I, I was just like completely obsessed with doing this project. 
And doing this project has only made me love the band more, which is shocking. <laughs> shocking. I like I don't think there's anyone on the planet who has thought about propaganda more in the last year and a half than me. Yeah. Except for maybe the band themselves, but I don't even think they have. I think it's been me. And <laughs> it's been a compulsive, obsessive driving internal force to where I just feel like this is exactly what I'm supposed to do right now as far as creative output goes. Yeah. And I, I, I only love the band more. I mean, I was like driving in my car earlier listening to Potemkin City Limits and I was like, I don't have to listen to this right now, but this is what I want to listen to. So it's an absolute obsession. I love the band more than ever and I have absolutely zero regrets. That's awesome. Well, as a listener of your podcast and a lifelong propaganda fan since I was like, you know, 14, 15, I feel the same way. The show makes me want to listen to their music deeper and give greater consideration to what they're yeah. talking about and why. And also just the Crazy. musical elements. It's like there, there's – I think that it wouldn't work with any other band because of the level of uh, complexity, both in terms of subject matter, lyrics, uh, musical complexity. Like it's, it's – they have this wealth of content that – you know, obviously rewards close listening, which is what yeah. you've been doing with your podcast. But also, I think that there's a lot of um, ways in to their stuff. If you're not a fan of punk rock or hardcore or metal or thrash right. or whatever you want to genres you want to include in their sound, I think that because of what they're talking about and the the level of um, like they're not they don't dumb it down, they don't beat you over the head with it. It's very uh, as you know, right? I mean, it's very detailed and thoughtful and and educational yeah. and and thought provoking. Yeah, I mean, seriously, like. Whenever I start diving into a song, I always am looking for what like current events news articles were coming out around yeah. the time that ins maybe inspired the songs to be written. And just diving into the sheer amount of resources that I find based on the events described within a song and the concepts that we talk about and the vocabulary that we go through and the world events that the songs are about sometimes I wind up finding 30 or 40 source materials yeah. for a single song and it becomes this, this beast. Do you know what I mean? And like people are, people have complained in the past that the show is so long, but all I do is follow the story. So if I find a, a thread to pull on a song, I'm going to pull every single thread, yeah. no matter what, because then what happens is uh, I reduce the amount of times where people come back and say, oh, you missed this. And this was really good, but you missed this. And that, then that makes me feel badly because I really do want the show to be thorough and in depth. Um, but like, I'm amazed by the amount of resources that we constantly are finding. It's truly mind blowing. And you know what I mean? Like earlier you said no other band really would be like this. Like, I don't know if I totally agree. Like I am all for niche content oh yeah, yeah you know what i mean like i know you are too and like if somebody loves a band as much as i love propaganda then i would love for other people to do song by song podcasts like i go on twitter all the time and i like beg people somebody do a dillinger for song yeah. by song podcast please people are always like greg do the strung out one i'm like no somebody else do the strung out one because i want to listen to it for sure you know, you know what i mean so this is like my this is the one that i had to do and I, I could not be more thrilled with, with how it's gone, but I just love it, man. Love it. Well, after listening to so much so much of your show, I, I've definitely wanted, if I had more time, I would be doing a Bad Brains one, like, you know. Like, oh, yeah. It, it just, or Fishbone or someone like that that I, I'm really obsessed with. But oh, it, someone yeah. out there will do it. There'll be, there'll be a Bad Brains one somewhere that someone's doing, and uh, I'll listen Someday. to it and complain about every episode and tell them this yeah. and that. And just like people do with you, right? <laughs> I mean, you, I'm sure you get tons of feedback from super fans. It's it's amazing. I, I mean, the, the greatest thing about it has been the friendships, seriously. Like this past year and a half has been so lonely for so many people yeah. in our world that to have a small place where we can have a positive engagement with people online, give people something like people are like, oh, I look forward to the show. And I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe this actually has, is working for people and that people are getting something out of it and that we're helping. Like people tell me fairly regularly that the episodes are helping them get through this like a very dark period of yeah. life. And it, it like touches my heart every single time I hear it because I know how like long I spend on these things and to get 
any any messages like that in return is just so thrilling and it just makes me feel very emotional um very humble very honored very privileged and extremely happy that we've been able to create this positive space online for for people to to check out if they want to when you've had, uh, I think at this point you've had everyone from the band on the show, right? At one point or another. Not John K. Sampson. Right, but from the current, the current incarnation, you yeah. have, you've had all of them on. Some of them more oh. than once. Uh, what, oh yeah. What's their I mean, take on it? Uh, just because, I mean, a lot of these songs, like we've been talking about, they cover you know big picture issues, and a lot of right. them cover you know some will cover very very small niche issues, but they're very detailed. But then some of them are personal. There's a lot of uh, content in some of these songs that, that is obviously written um, from a personal point of view. Yeah. Has anyone in the band said anything about the experience of hearing something like that get deconstructed over two and a half hours? Not precisely. So we we definitely uh, we definitely kind of had a, a moment on the Rock for Sustainable Capitalism episode, yeah. which kind of went sideways. Um, because first of all, we botched the Billy Bragg information on the episode. We were talking about the Lars Fredrickson to have and have not. We right, didn't right. really, we didn't acknowledge there was a Billy Bragg cover. So we got like over 200 emails about the fact that we didn't acknowledge that it was Billy Bragg. So we totally screwed it up. And so that was a tough one. Um, but also there was, uh, some, some commentary from, uh, the guest on the episode where, um, and then Chris Hanna responded to that. So that was a really interesting experience, but we have been so fortunate that the band digs the the show. Um, I don't think they listen to it because we're talking about them and who the heck wants to listen to somebody talk about you. It's like the biggest like ego thing ever if they're like oh i'm gonna listen to this thing about me you know what i mean (laughs) so like i don't expect them to listen to it at all but the fact that they're like supportive and interested in the fact that it exists and like they're not like angry at us because like i didn't ask them to do this i did this sort of like like, hey i wonder if this will work just like a sanity project yeah and chris has been on todd and his brother came on one episode Sue Lynn has been on several times. Beeve has been on several times. Jord, I punished Jord for like an hour and a half with the most fun and hilarious conversation. And we had such a good time. So I'm like just truly beyond grateful to them because if you think about me finding this band in like the mid 90s and the fact that I've been so obsessed with them for so long and now I get to like hang out with them like and ask them questions that I that genuinely interest me. Yeah. I, I can't I, I can't imagine like it's just so unfathomable to believe that this is actually happening right now. I, I'm so grateful, endlessly grateful to them for for not being mad at us for doing this because it really, you know, these things are very sensitive talking about one's life in a song and then having some yahoos that you've never met deconstruct it is a real, it's a real challenging thing to consider. So I'm, I'm so, so fortunate that they seem to like what we're doing, you know? Yeah. Well, I guess like, I mean, part of the reason I think people, people like it is because you are both obviously huge fans of the band uh, I think that, that there's no sense that you're just kind of trying to come across as experts on it. You're no. legitimately curious what other people, have, what your guests have to say about the songs. And often, I, you know, I've heard most of the episodes by now. I still have a few to catch up on, mainly because <laughs> of the length. But, <laughs> um, but, but like, I think people um, who you have on the show, it's very clear that, that you learn new things from them. And you learn oh, new things sure. from their interpretations of the songs. And, you know, even from some of the lyrics you heard 20, 30, 40, 50 times, when you're deconstructing it, I've heard both of you kind of realize things as you're recording uh, about the songs that, that is kind of a new revelation, which is, which is cool to hear in real time, right? It, it's much um, better than having kind of a uh, sanitized, like very, very uh, dictated script about sure. it. I mean, I know you, you work on this ahead of time, you do the research, but the fact that you're having a conversation as two just nerds about it and nerding out together, I think it's really part of the appeal. Yeah, like the real-time epiphanies, like when they happen for me on the show, I mean, I walk away from from those conversations with Keith or with a guest yeah. just 
like feeling like a different person. You know what I mean? Like I feel I can feel myself have revelations about the world in real time. And that's something that I really cherish about the experience of being human mm -hmm. is pushing myself with each passing year to to not be a totally complacent person who doesn't seek to learn new things. Like I love learning and that's why I love doing the show so much is because I always feel like I walk away with like something that I've learned new things and that I've had new thoughts and that my brain is continuing to uh, like, like do its job. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, this is what I feel like the meaning of life is, is just to be curious about things. And so the fact that I can do this with this conversations about my, my favorite music ever written I, I get something new out of it every week. And like some of the episodes that I've like really had some um, like real time epiphanies would be things like last will and Testament yeah. where I can like reflect deeply upon the passing of my grandparents and like how much that impacted me. But it took me years to process that stuff and talking about that kind of stuff, which is very painful on the inside of me and being able to express those things honestly on the show in connection to somebody else's music I mean, it, it, I walk away feeling completely rejuvenated from those kinds of experiences. And it's just been so, so important for me this past year to be able to have those experiences with Keith. What um, did your previous show? I mean, I know you have the other show you, you were doing. You yeah. started that before this, right? Did that, yeah, yeah. Did that kind of um, get you geared up to do this in terms of just the, the process of making a podcast and doing interviews and that kind of thing? Oh, my God. So the other show is like... So it's it's the primary it's the show that I started podcasting with. It's called Classical Ideas. It's all academic and it's all about the religions of the world. Mm -hmm. So like I'll talk about anything from like Sikhism to Muslim fashion to Zen Buddhism to like anything, like any topic. Nothing is off limits. Yeah. And on that show, I figured out how to edit audio. I felt I figured out how to record interviews online. I figured out how to get in contact with publicists and authors about their books. Yeah. And I figured out how to structure and 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 lead interviews. And all of this is totally self-taught. Like my my students in my classroom wanted me to, wanted to do a podcast for our classroom. And so I did it as like a classroom project with my students okay. in Missouri. And so doing all those things showed me all the uh, the screw ups that is hard about podcasting. So it was a very clunky beginning, very challenging. I had no idea what I was doing and it was really just learning in real time and like um, flailing yeah. myself into figuring out how to get it to show up on Spotify and Apple. Like that's really what the goal was. And without those experiences, and without, um, geez, how many was it? I must have done at least 160 episodes of that podcast before I did a one of the propaganda okay. ones. So I felt really confident that we could hit the ground running hard on the propaganda podcast because I knew how to edit. Yeah. I knew how to record interviews. I knew how to publish things. I knew what to do to get artwork. And I knew what the dimensions of the artwork had to be and things like that. So... I really knew a lot because Keith didn't know anything about podcasting. I literally drugged this stranger <laughs> off the internet into being my co-host just because I had a good feeling that yeah. it was going to be a good fit. And I mean, I'm so lucky that it worked out, but like without those previous experiences of doing the other show, um, this one, I never would have had any idea how to do this. And the episodes would not have been nearly as ambitious as they turned out to be. Like right now, I'm like three and a half hour episode. Screw it. If I got the content and like if, if it's fun and like and it's interesting and we had things to say, I don't care how long the episode is. And I know how to structure them and make them flow now because of the first show. So yeah. like it's just like a series of events leading to the creation of this one. And my other show is still going like I have uh, it, it. I've been recording interviews for the other show all week long. Um, but this one has become my complete obsession yeah. and I'm, I'm okay with that. What is your, um, just to sort of shift gears here, what has your experience been of, what is your understanding, I guess, of Winnipeg over the course of doing this? Cause I gotta, you know, it's a Winnipeg podcast. I have to talk about the city and sure. as you haven't been there, but you've heard from, you've met so many people from 
the city on on your podcast and just online and you've, yeah. you've heard all these songs that reference very specific local things and i'm sure you've done you, you have done research on a lot of this stuff uh, related to specific songs what is your impression of it like i know you you want to go here obviously if, if you can for that show but um what are you expecting i guess if and when you do make a visit here so I used to live in Saskatoon, so I'm I'm familiar with the 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 cold, like the real cold. <laughs> yeah. Um. Like it doesn't get really cold in Buffalo. Like usually it's like you know right around freezing. Sure. Um. But we just get a lot of snow. But when I was in Saskatoon, I mean there was one winter I was there where it was basically minus thirty for the whole or colder for the whole month of January. It was a really interesting experience for me. And I learned many new things like cross country skiing. Uh, I think I went to like somebody's ice fishing shack a couple of times up on Tobin Lake up in Northern Saskatchewan by Prince Albert. Um, And there was a lot of new experiences and cultural things that I was able to try that really expanded a lot of, you know, my appreciation for for wintry things. Yeah. So I get the impression that Winnipeg and Saskatoon might be kind of like culturally similar, um, where there's like, whenever the thaw happens in the springtime, it's like just dirt everywhere. Oh, yeah. yeah. And massive potholes and everybody joking around about that. Uh, Canadian tire, tire bucks and things like that. <laughs> Um, but for the most part, I get the impression that the people are extremely kind. Like people in Saskatoon were very enthusiastic about their city and they were so cool about showing it to me because, you know, I'm a guy from St. Louis, Missouri, wind up living in Saskatoon. That's pretty unlikely. It is. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I get the impression that people in Winnipeg are extremely enthusiastic about the city because so many people who have been on the show are from Winnipeg and they tell me about, uh, Randy Frickus was telling me about his his buddy who runs the brewery over there. Um, the name is escaping me, but it starts with an S. Steve, there's a brew. Yeah, um, yeah it's a beer store. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, and then like learning about Randy's filmmaking and the Royal Albert documentary yeah. that he made, and you know, talking to uh, Dylan and, and Randy and Clipwing, and like learning about Mobina Galore and all these fantastic things that you've done. Learning about the history of whole lot of Milka. Um, I mean, there's so much fantastic arts and culture in the town from what I can tell. And I know that if when I wind up there, that I have like people there who were like excited that would actually be thrilled to hang out and yeah. show me cool stuff for days. And so I know that like when I wind up there on a trip, I'm only going to get like the coolest experience because so many people are so thrilled by the town that I know that it'll just be a wonderful experience and I will walk away having grown a little bit more as a person. So that's like kind of my, that's my impression of the town so far. I, I like that impression. Um, it's a very optimistic yeah. one. I, I think that the reason I asked that question is because um, the thing about Winnipeg, I, I find and I was actually on this, uh, this show. It's not out yet, but it was this uh, TV show in Quebec and uh, they came to Winnipeg and they were talking about the, the punk scene and music. And I was one of the guests on their show. And yeah. uh, one of the things that kind of came up in the conversation there was about Winnipeg's, our opinion of ourselves where we can talk as much shit as we want about the city but the second <laughs> the second anyone else says anything even remotely critical it's like knives yeah. out you know like we're, we're ready yeah. to it's gonna be a fight and so the reason cut I someone like, yeah yeah what a big handshake he's crack a bottle yeah. thing and stab here um but like <laughs> is there any concern about that not not getting stabbed or anything but in the sense that you're talking about this city where people are are very passionate about um yeah especially when it comes to outsiders um putting their opinions on us and i think the reason that is is because we're fairly isolated uh it's often the butt of a lot of jokes by bigger cities because we're cold we're in the middle of nowhere we have the reputation for mosquitoes and crime and everything else right so i think that we are like uh it's like a badge of honor oh i live in winnipeg and so if anyone else you know let alone from somewhere else in canada but you're from the states i mean that's even worse right like is there any any concern about misrepresenting something in winnipeg and getting a backlash oh not at all because um my my default stance is to listen to people's life stories from their perspective right. how they wish to tell them um you know doing 
a couple of podcasts like this and being a high school teacher, the life stories of other people matter a lot to me. And so what I try to do is I just want to listen to people's stories. You know what I mean? Like I was really inspired by like Terry Gross on NPR Mm -hmm. and like Anthony Bourdain and like people who like go to places where people are from and seek to just like listen and learn so open eyes open ears open hearts and i know that i talk a lot on a podcast so that might seem a little ironic but like i (laughs) deeply value hearing other people's stories so while i am talking a lot like the reason why we have a guest on every show is because i want to hear if their experiences i want to hear what their experiences are with this kind of music and how it sits inside of them and how it speaks to them and moves them so like that's why we have guests on every show because i want to know what other people's stories are in relation to this band and so like if i were to go to winnipeg like i would just want to hear everybody's stories about like tell me about your your freaking high school yeah you know tell me about the rink that you like to go to like tell me like if your family is from other parts of the province that like i may never see you know what i mean um that's kind of what I what I seek to do when I go new places. I just want to hear stories, man. Just tell me all the good stories, and I'm going to be happy as a clam. Well, and in this context, that's background for your show too, right? Because you're getting a better picture, or from from more sources at least, a picture of where this band that you love is coming from, and, and the the community that they grew up in that they're they're in now. Yeah, and you know, and like what's really I went through the the show episodes recently, and I was counting how many people from Canada had been on the show. I think I saw your tweet about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like something like sixty percent of all of the guests, maybe even more, maybe sixty-five, seventy-ish percent. I have to do the numbers, but it's a a substantial portion of the guests on the show have been from Canada, and so that's a huge thing for me because being from the states we had our impression of propaganda being like this fat fat records band that got popular in the 90s so like i come at this band from a totally different perspective than somebody who may have seen them at the albert in 92 like conrad sichler who was in toothpick hercules you know what i mean right like so my experiences of this band are totally framed within the midwestern american context in which i grew up but hearing other people who like saw them a long time ago or who grew up in in Winnipeg, like Beave grew up as just a fan of the band. Yeah. Who wound up becoming a member of the band. And, you know, Todd was into the band before he was in before he joined when he was an I spy. So like I just love hearing people's stories about why the band matters so much. And that's kind of what I seek to do in every single interview. And I really, really, really do seek out and value Canadian guests who can give me a different perspective on this band because I was listening to it in the context of fat records and so many people in Canada were not. Yes. So it's a massive difference in the way that the band is understood and appreciated, which is something I've really tried to drill down on during the course of the show. Well, I think that's something that a lot of us didn't even know uh, that they were being per- perceived like that. Because I, I remember seeing some stuff you posted a while ago, and it was, oh, here's a copy of, uh, you know, with supporting cast or whatever record it was. And there's a fat logo on it. Yeah. And, and like, I'm like, I look at my copy, I'm like, mine, mine, mine wasn't put up by Fat Records. What the hell's going on here? This is. Oh, I think it was Today's Empire. Yes, yeah. It was, yeah, yeah. Whichever, yeah, it was Today's Empires, right? And so, like, I mean, I, I bought that when it came out at the the Mondragon, which no longer exists, but it was like a vegan cafe and bookstore and had all this yeah. weird anarchist stuff in the back. I and interviewed Paul Burroughs, haven't put it out yet, right, but right. it's so, recorded. So, so yeah, so I mean, like, that's where I got it and it was very much on a local label and all this stuff. So I think that my perception of that record is obviously going to be different from yours. Totally. First of all, in a different country, but also seeing it on this big V-punk rock label of the 90s, right? So it's... Uh, exactly. It, it, even the framing is different. So it, it's kind of a cool way to find out um, because everyone you talk to depending on where they're from and how when they got into the band and what their relationship with the band's music is they're going to have a different entry point and I think that that changes your perception of what they are and what they're what they're about and who they are and that's why the story matters yeah. and that's why I get guests because everybody's story is a little different and it's never boring to me so even though a lot of guests say similar things like oh I found it on the Fat Records compilation and Nation States was the first song I yeah. ever heard and you, there are some repetitive things that get said on the show but it's never boring to me and like that is 
that 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 is an interesting observation to me. Like, why am I never bored by hearing that Nation States was the first song somebody ever heard on the Fat Red compilation? I've heard it twenty plus times now, but it just doesn't bore me. Like, I just want to know why people like this freaking band as much as me. You know? Yeah, that's why I heard them first too. Is that that song and that comp? There and then it said, it said Winnipeg in the liner notes, and I was like, what the hell? This is, and then it's like, oh, this is local. This is I can I can get this <laughs> from here where yep. I am. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So that's what, you know, that, that I just love hearing the stories. That's why we do it, you know? I don't want to do something as cliche as making you pick your top five propaganda songs because I, I, I imagine <laughs> that's too difficult for you to choose, especially at this point when you haven't done the full, you know, um, three-hour <laughs> deconstruction oh, of all of the songs. But Dude, let me, I can do, I can do my favorite song off every record spontaneously if you let's want see, to. Let's hear it. I'd love to hear that, yeah. Okay, so my favorite one on Victory Lap, if I had to choose right oh, going now. going in reverse, reverse chronological order here? Let's go reverse, okay. uh, is Cop Just Out of Frame. So that's my that's my first pick. I'm not even thinking about these either. I'm just looking at okay. the list. Okay. Failed States, hands down, my favorite song on Failed States is Devil's Creek. Great song. We, we haven't done that one yet, but I do have uh, a cover and an interview recorded for Devil's Creek, so I'm real stoked about that one. Um, I've been procrastinating making the actual episode because I just want to make sure I don't screw it up. Uh, a lot of these songs really scare the living heck out of me to actually make them. Sure. Um, so then my favorite song on supporting cast is man, I guess I'm going to go with supporting cast because it has my favorite moment of any propaganda <laughs> song ever when Chris goes, yes. And yep. then it goes into that really ripping riff at about one fifty into the song. That's my favorite moment on any propaganda song ever recorded in the entire discography. So I got to go with supporting cast. And then let's go back to Potemkin city limits here. And I'm going to go, my current favorite song on Potemkin City Limits is Cut Into the Earth. Okay. I think that it is the most impressively performed propaganda recorded song uh, possibly in the entire catalog because the performance is so unbelievably good to me uh, and so diverse in the range of sounds that I'm going with Cut Into the Earth from Potemkin. We'll go with Today's Empires now, so let's see this. I think I'm going to go with, off the top of my head... Oh, dang. Maybe Albright Monument Baghdad for right now. Okay. Oh, interesting uh, choice, yeah. And then let's talk. We will go with Resisting Tyrannical Government. And it's on my list also. Yep. Dude, love that song so much. And then How to Clean Everything. I think that I'm going to go with, oh, boy. Uh, probably it, it's either going to be Who Will Help Me Bake This Bread or middle finger response. So okay. those are my. I can't. I, I can't really. Those those two for some reason are just both jumping out at me. So that's my. That's my list. Well, the thing I like about that is aside from resisting tyrannical government, if I was to make a list, it would be all different songs, which I think is yeah. kind of the, the the best thing about that band is that there aren't bad songs on any, any of the records. So no matter what you choose, it's going to be a great list. Dude, totally. And ask me again in a week, and I would pick totally different songs. These are just the ones that are really grooving with me, like today right now at this very second on august 16th yeah well obviously you know they're going to continue recording and continue putting out more music which is great for everyone but hope so what what happens if what happens if they put out a record and you just hate it like it seems unlikely but how does that impact your kind of uh hardcore propaganda fandom if, if something just falls flat with you which so could, check could happen, this out right? i loved failed states so much that okay so check this out though i didn't love failed states because i didn't think it was nearly as good as supporting cast but then i saw them live on this on the failed states tour and they opened up with note to self cool and i was like okay now i get it right and something that happened is when they put out victory lap i didn't get to see i haven't seen propaganda live since the failed states tour so I have not seen them live since Victory Lap has come out. And it took me until we started the podcast to really love Victory Lap. It did not click with me because I just wanted to be bashed over the head like supporting cast yeah. and failed states. And Victory Lap did not do that. That's more subtle. It didn't than bash me points, over yeah. the head. Completely. So what's so crazy about... Uh, victory lap is like i was like this is easily their worst record 
And I, and I held that opinion for a couple of years. And then we start digging into this, these songs on this, on this podcast. And I'm like, I completely had this wrong. I was a hundred percent wrong on victory lap. And so like, I've, I found myself changing my mind in real time when it comes to how I feel about their records, but victory lap has been hands down the most, uh, most radically altered record for for how I feel about it um, since we started doing the show. That I had the kind of the same experience with uh, Potemkin City Limits. And I think a lot of people had that uh, with that record. Yeah, for sure. Because, Me too. Because Less Talk was like, uh, not Less Talk, um, Today's Empires was just such a like boot to the face uh, of just like wall to wall rock, right? And, and then yes. this one was more subtle too. And it was a little bit different sonically and everything. And, and it took me a while. And now it's one of my favorites, but it, did, it again took me years to, to really, really dig into it and understand why it's so good. Yeah. And you know, and I love Chris's songs on Potemkin City Limits and Todd's songs took me a long time to understand what he was doing on Potemkin. Yeah. So like, I absolutely loved half of the record by Chris and I was really confused by the other half of the record which was Todd so I found myself only listening to the Chris songs for years off Potemkin because they were so easy to like Sure. and Todd's songs made me work for it and in 2005 I mean I was only 22 years old so like I wasn't ready to like think super hard about like the the emotional nuance behind a lot of this music um i didn't really understand these these songs like i feel like i'm really you know kind of like now uh starting to appreciate the depth and complexity of what was happening but i was like a total moron loving this band for years and years but just like not getting like the the depth of it all and so Potemkin City Limits, I mean, really became uh, a super important record for me in the not too distant past yeah. because I just wasn't smart enough to understand what the heck was happening to me. Do you know what I mean? I, I know exactly what you mean for sure. It's a similar experience with me. And I think that maybe one of the best things about them being, you know, I'm a couple years older than you and they're maybe a decade older than me, is that a lot of the stuff that they've gone through in making these records, we're sort of catching up on now. I mean, yeah. you know, like even even the being parents and all these things like that that come out in the music, it has to, right? It's just part of, part of their lives. It, it, it's, it, it comes through in the records and all that stuff. You kind of go back a few years and it's like, oh, I get where he's coming from. Not completely, but there's, there's, yeah. there's things you can relate to differently when you were 18 to when you're 35, 36, 40, whatever, right? Oh, dude, totally. Last Will and Testament on Supporting Cast. I hated that song for years. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, this is so boring. Oh, there's no melody to the song. But then, like, my grandparents died. And I watched that experience of how that happened and the pain behind all of that. Yeah. And I was like, and then I listened to that song and I was just like, 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 like a, 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 lo- a, a log jam broke yeah. within me. And so, th- like, certain experiences break me open to new songs in ways that I had not been able to connect with them before. But then you look at something like less talk, more rock and those songs only get more relevant with each passing year, which is absolutely terrifying. Yeah. It's a little disturbing. Yeah. <laughs> they only get more relevant. I'm like, okay, well this is crazy. Cause like they totally told us this was all going to happen and here we go. So it's like, you know, what are you guys like prophetic or something? It's wild. Yeah. What do you think? I mean, obviously, this is clearly your favorite band. It's a band you've spent so much time listening to and analyzing and deconstructing. Where do you think, you know, if you had kind of your way, they should be as a band in terms of recognition and and success? Because obviously, it's not the kind of band that's going to make it to the mainstream because of the style of music they play. It's aggressive. It's abrasive. It's it's not pop music, right? I mean, it has pop elements sometimes, but it's definitely not... uh, radio friendly a lot of the time as well but where would you kind of like to see them in terms of success i know they have this following a very dedicated following worldwide and i mean you can see it in videos of them playing shows in in random countries and everyone's singing along whether they speak english or not and like there's there's this 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 cult around them but do you think that they should have more recognition than they do or are they right in the right spot for a band of this type well 
That's really hard to know for me because I don't look at their like finances. Sure. So I don't know like how they're doing monetarily with the band. And like, you know, we're programmed from a young age to associate money with success and other crap like that. Um, so I don't really know how they do as like a, a, a financial course, yeah, yeah. thing. I don't mean that. I mean, just in terms of like the amount of recognition they get, because I like yeah. they should be they're well known within certain circles. Right. But I don't yeah. know, like, should they be better known or is that kind of counterproductive to what they're trying to do? Man, I like whenever I think about it, like, where would I want to see propaganda? Like, I want to see propaganda playing uh shows with with other with other bands like i think that propaganda could really do awesome stuff if they were playing on tours with like mastodon or or torch okay or or bands like that like um faith no more um like i think that there would there would be like a massive interest in this band for a certain kind of like like baroness bands yeah, like yeah, that yeah. um and and i don't really know that i've seen that happen a whole heck of a lot with this band um but like then what you have to do is then you have to like open for other people and like they have like enough people that love them and want to see like full shows that like i don't know if that totally makes sense for them but they have such interesting and particular views on where they'll play how yeah. they'll go through with shows and what kind of festivals they will and won't play and that's been something that's been so interesting to learn about as well as like how they carry themselves but i think that chris and jord should be far more recognized in the wider world of hard rock mm-hmm. for the absolutely incredible contributions to musical performance that they have uh, both done for sure. And you talk to, you talk to people from multiple genres, right? You talk to John Darnell from the mountain goats. You talk to Kyle shut from the sword. You talk to these bands that are outside of the nineties fat wreck world that love propaganda, mm-hmm. that play totally different kinds of music, but recognize Chris and George as being absolute musical powerhouses who, and you're like, wow, really important people really do appreciate what this band has done for music. And, you know, they're not in like magazines, like the top 50 guitar players of all time. But in my brain, sure. they 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 are. Do you know what I mean? Well, like I get, to me, Jord is that good. Oh, for real, yeah. That good. For sure they are. Yeah, all of them. Uh, but I guess the reason that I thought of that question is because, you know, as you know, they sold out the show in Winnipeg in like two seconds. And they yeah. always do. And this has been kind of the reason I have only seen them a handful of times despite living in the same city as them dating back to the <laughs> 90s is because it always sells out immediately and every time it sells yeah. out you have people complaining you know that they didn't get tickets I've been among them and saying like well you know I often hear why do they play a bigger venue why don't they play like you know and I almost feel like they don't they don't fit in a bigger venue like the, 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 the right to playing somewhere like the park theater which is where they're going to be in October it's not a huge venue by any stretch but it would seem weird seeing them at like the arena or something because it just, I'm sure they could pull it off, but it seems like a, just a bizarre setting for them to be outside yeah. of kind of a club or a theater sort of. Uh, I venue. mean, and this is a band that for, for their entire, the entire length of their existence has really done, has really stayed consistent in their, in their message yeah. and their lessons. And like, they've really just put their, like actions behind their words in a way that you don't often see and they haven't chased uh financial glory um in ways that they probably could have had they continued on playing stuff like they were doing on how to clean everything which got like was an insanely popular record and they continued to push themselves instead of you know pigeonholing themselves into one thing and so, honestly, they could have been and one of those breakout bands in 94. Yeah. Um, but the fact that they continued to, you know, go their own sound kept them from, like, like really exploding, maybe, but also kept them uh, as a, a band that continued to push themselves musically, which 
is far more interesting oh, yeah. in the long run, far more interesting. And, you know, there's a lot of bands that I listened that I loved back then a whole lot alongside Propaganda that I haven't listened to a single song of theirs in decades yeah, at this point. Same here. Most of the Fat Record stuff that I loved back then that I would have listened to at the same time as and heard on the same comps as and stuff. Yeah, I I couldn't tell you the last time I listened to Storm Out or No Use for a Name or any of those bands. And, and I loved them and they have great songs, but, I you know, good riddance to any of those bands. I saw them live. Like, I, I enjoyed their music a lot, but it hasn't held up. And I think it's because a lot of those bands, not not to criticize them because they've put out a lot of great music, but they kind of found a sound and stuck with it, whereas Propagandi has continually shifted and changed and somehow gotten better with age, which is bizarre because usually a punk band, that doesn't happen. They just kind of, you know, either decline or get stuck in a rut and just do the same thing. I am going to challenge you, though, on okay. your strung out assertion there because I disagree because okay. I think strung out has been a not not quite at the same level of like massive like propaganda for me. But strung out, I think, has, conti- has continued okay. to grow pretty well. And I'm actually a, a massive fan. Well, to be fair, I have most listened- of the. I haven't Most listened to them it? since like 2000. So because yeah, yeah, yeah. I just lost interest generally in that sound. So I'm sure if I went back and listened to it, I, I maybe would see what you're talking about. But I, oh, I use them yeah, as an example. Should. But yeah, that's, that's, I'm glad to hear that they, they've also kind of uh, You should, uh, yeah, you should check out uh, Exile and Oblivion. Uh, it is a real good record. Cool. Cool. Maybe I will, yeah. Um, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how much. I have so much to listen to, but I will write that one down. And, uh, oh, it's put it crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess like before we wrap this up, what's the best way for people to find out what you're doing? Because I know like, you know, people can subscribe to the show and that's the best way to, to get all the new episodes as they come out. But mm-hmm. you're very active online and I, I feel like, oh that's, my God. I feel like whenever someone, you're obviously searching for certain uh, terms on Twitter and jumping in in conversations. And that seems to be how you've kind of built your, your conversations uh, about the band, but where can people find yeah. you? Yeah. So I'm, I'm on Twitter and Instagram for the show. The handle is Propagandy Pod. Um, and I, I end each day of my of my week by going on Twitter and just searching the word propagandy in the search bar on Twitter and going through. And a lot of times people, um, it, I try to assess the context in which they're referring to the band yeah. because I don't want to like a tweet that like refers to something where like in my view misrepresents or misinterprets the message of the band sure so i don't i don't like all of them because i think some people get it really weirdly wrong yeah but that's just my opinion right like people can interpret this band however they want but like then i go through and i just like a bunch of tweets and i'm like hey what's up here we are and i've found a lot of people that way and and i i don't really do that on instagram um but we're on instagram and twitter at Propagandy Pod. It's on Spotify. All you got to do is search Unscripted Moments, a podcast about propaganda, and it'll pop right up. It's on nice, Apple. Nice and short name you got there, eh? <laughs> yeah. Unscripted Moments, a podcast about propaganda. And like, I actually shortened the the Twitter I noticed that. Ac- the, the title to just a podcast about propaganda. So my Twitter title used to be Unscripted Moments, colon, a podcast about propaganda. And what happens is it doesn't really show up as well whenever I go through and like people's tweets because they see unscripted moments first right. and they don't associate with that with propaganda. So then I just put a podcast on propaganda. And then like, I was like, Oh, way more people find the show when I shortened the title on our yeah. Twitter bio. So that was kind of something that I toyed around with, but you know, the show is very much called Unscripted Moments, a podcast for propaganda in, in the full, in the full duration of it. But we, we have a good time with it. Have you ever decided thought about taking all of this content you have and turning it into something else? I mean, could this become a book, like an oral history kind of thing? You have just I was just thinking about how many people you've talked to that either know the band or are diehard fans of their music or have interacted with their music in some way and you have like, you know, hours and hours and hours. It would take a long time obviously to edit all that and find the important bits, but you have so much content about so many songs and so many records like is this possible to once you're done the full discography to, to turn it into something more. You know, maybe I'll ask Sheldon Burney. Yep. How he did it with, with his oral history of Winnipeg underground rock. It's a great book. His book missing like teeth, which I friggin' love. Uh, I've read it and loved it. I don't know how that would go because so much of the show to me is the 
full uh, immersion where I constantly am weaving in musical clips and mm-hmm. live performances and demo versions and things like that. And part of me is, you know, it, it kind of sucks that the show is only available to a certain kind of experience because like a lot of people have been like, Hey, will you post the videos of your interviews? That was my next question. Yeah. Yeah. Because I never asked permission from the guests to do that. I mean, I think I have the interview videos automatically recorded if people turned on their cameras. Right. Um, but like, it really is unfortunate because like, first of all, the first thing that I think about is that my, my brother is deaf and I have a show where you can only listen to it. You know what I mean? So like I am, excluding populations of people by only having the show in one format which makes me not feel great to be perfectly honest with you um so maybe there's a way that i could like you know broaden the access to it uh i don't really know um so if anybody out there is listening and has any ideas i am 100 percent open to things like that it's just that the show is so we have like 58 episodes right now and like nine more bonus episodes right. and it's, it's hundreds of hours. It's a lot. Like yeah, yeah. hundreds. Like I don't have any idea how I would be successful in boiling all of that down, but I am definitely open to ideas. If any propaganda super fans out there have like a vision for how we could transfer some of this content to make it accessible to different styles of learners different uh styles of like people who intake information in different like learning modalities i'm open to it but i don't have any personal ideas off the top of my head yeah well it's i mean like you said there's hundreds and hundreds of hours i think that's the first obstacle to figure out is how you bonkers how you would even start with something like that but I mean, the good thing is that it, it's saved. It's online. People can listen to it. It's there for posterity, and yep. so it's. Um, I think it's a good resource. I, I wish that more bands had this, like you said at the beginning, because you know it'd be nice to sort of get into a new band, and, and then suddenly there's this just massive archive of of info yeah. about them. I mean, something. There's a new one that just came out. Uh, leftover. There's a leftover crack podcast oh, really? that just came out. Uh, which I'm, I've been enjoying. It's uh, Brad Logan who plays guitar in Leftover Crack is one of the hosts of the show. Oh, cool, cool. I should um, check that out. So that one's kind of cool. Um, I really, in, I, I used to listen to the uh, Blink-155 podcast several years back. Um, I like the As You Were a podcast about Alkaline Trio. Uh, I like the the Brendan Kelly discography podcast, The Road to the Skeleton Coast. I love the Canadian-hosted Last Believer, a podcast about good riddance. Okay. Um, those fellows are making an amazing show. There is a No Means No yeah. song-by-song podcast yeah, called No Means yeah. No Thing. Love that show. Uh, they're doing real good stuff over there. Um, so I'm I'm really excited about this kind of show. I'm really excited about super niche, totally insanely geeky content. That is the thing that makes me extremely happy about what the internet can offer. And that's why we try to do something positive um, for you know around this band because yeah. like so much of the internet is an absolute hellhole i just went to <laughs> a true. major i went to a major journalism news source right before i got on the phone with you here and every headline was an absolute catastrophe that is happening somewhere in the world and i'm like i need to read all of these because i need to understand these events but I also am like very like I want to keep what I put into the world as po- as as positive as I can, um, and this is one of those ways that I try to try to do that because otherwise I think I'll I'll lose it and I'll go crazy. 